Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 148, recorded on Wednesday, the 10th of August 2016, at 5 past 3 in the afternoon. As usual, apologies for being late. This time only three days, rather than three months, which feels like it's happened before, but I think the latest I've managed to put out a podcast is about a month. Could be more. Why am I digressing? Sorry about this. Okay, back to the podcast. First news. Quite a lot of non-news, really, on a personal front. I think I've mentioned it before. I'm on a diet. And it is working, quite boringly. My trousers are falling down, not of their own volition, which would be weird, but because my belt needs tightening, which it does. I'm on the second to last notch of my belt at the moment, which is an amazing achievement. So it's working, I'm losing weight. And that is despite the odd bit of cake. And there is no secret or weird diet or exercise, just less calories going in than are required to maintain my current flabulous weight. And yes, that is a word because I invented it. Not quite as unhealthy a diet as that used by the scientist who I'm stealing this diet from, who lost weight. Sorry, if you want to look him up, I can't remember his name. But anyway, he came up with this. He did lose weight, and he also managed to keep Twinkies in his diet. In fact, I think his diet was largely based on Twinkies, water, and vitamin pills. My diet's not quite as bad as that. And by the way, although I'm sure everyone knows, because American culture is exported everywhere now, but if you don't, Twinkies are a really terrible and very, very sugary American cake bar. What else is in the news that isn't to do with me? Ah, okay. The BBC have finally decided to charge for people who are using iPlayer. Now, how does that work, you might ask? Well, in fact... How did the old method work of TV detector vans? Well, TV detector vans were incredibly simple technology. (laughs) And you'll kick yourself if you don't know how this works. I'm sure everyone does, but it just occurred to me the other day and I worked it out in my head. Of course, first, there's a list of people with TV license subscriptions. That is, people who have up-to-date with their payments. And then they have this van which detects TV signals, I suppose, unless there's a whacking great aerial on the roof and then you don't have to. And then it goes around and then compares that to a list of the addresses of people who do have TV licenses. And if you don't have one, but there seems to be a signal coming from your house, then they'll knock at your door. And that's how it worked in the old days. But now with Wi-Fi, how do you do that? Well, this is almost even more simple. I must admit, though, I did read this somewhere, so the credit doesn't go to me for having a massive brain. You watch iPlayer by using the iPlayer app, which means ultimately the BBC is responsible for that app 
and what data goes out on it in the form of TV programs and so on. But because they're in charge of that app, they can also include in that stream of data going out from the BBC some uniquely shaped packets, little bunches of data that are streamed out there. And they can be unique to the BBC, like a signature. So what happens is the TV vans, the newfangled TV vans with the Wi-Fi detectors, you know, this doesn't sound good for the BBC. It makes them sound like, I don't know. Do you remember in Chitty Chitty Big Chitty Chitty Big Bang. <laughs> I'm sorry. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The child catcher. Didn't he have a van? But anyway, these vans go out and they detect Wi-Fi signals that contain those unique signature packets. And there you are. You're found out. And then you get a knock at the door, I assume. I think, I don't know. Should I even have an opinion on this? No, you know what, I'm not going to get into it. It's too ugly and it's too controversial, so I'm just going to leave it. But that's how the Wi-Fi thingy for detecting people using iPlayer without a license will work. And now on to the TV section, which is basically this entire show this week. We have Childhood's End. Stranger Things, The Expanse, and Mr. Robot to talk about. So hold on to your seats. And actually, before we start, just something to say. If you're wondering about my impartiality when I'm talking about TV shows, and not just impartiality, but where my views come from, are they from me or are they from something I've read? Well, in the early days, I did try a balanced approach by listening to and reading what others said before formulating my own opinion. But doing that just made it so much harder to separate what I think from what others think. So, in doing these admittedly non-objective one-person chats slash stream of consciousness, slash hallucinatory rants about shows that I've watched, books that I've read, games that I've played, technology that I have a view on or I've fiddled with, rarer that I have fiddled with because I can't afford to buy all this stuff and I'm not important enough to get stuff sent to me from manufacturers. But anyway, that's a quite separate sub-rant. I have done my best to avoid looking at what others in other media have talked about. So, you are really getting a completely fresh view, rather than some regurgitated garbage. That's what's different about this podcast. And besides, you know what? Seat of the Pants is more fun anyway. And with that, let's start talking about shows. Oh, and one final last thing, because I've just scrolled down and I've noticed another note. 
Yes, it is Seat of the Pants. And does that mean that my knowledge for the podcast can sometimes be sketchy? Of course it does. But I think it's worth it to stay fresh. Finally, over and done with that bit, let's talk about Mr. Robot. The show that started last year and is available in the UK on Amazon Instant Video. In fact, I think I've seen bus signs everywhere now advertising that you can now watch Season 1 and Season 2 right away. That is, box set it. It is also on the Universal Channel from Thursday the 21st of July. That was a while back. And, of course, it's available on the dark web. The dark web, what a ridiculous term. Because, of course, most shows are. But I think it entirely appropriate to mention this here, given that Mr. Robot is a show about hackers. Well, we're right into the second season in the US. And this is possibly the best hacker thing to ever hit the screen. Trying to say what it's like is a bit difficult because like a lot of the people working on shows today, they are hit by a lot of nostalgia and they like throwing in things that they are fans of themselves. So I can loosely describe it as a kind of techno-Cronenbergian fight club as directed by David Lynch. Which it isn't, but it feels like it is. And that doesn't even sound possible, even as I said those words. Actually, you know, it's just a lot of good things all wrapped up into one tight bundle of pure nerd. Haven't really said what the show's about, And if you're in the US, I probably don't have to. And if you're a nerd, I probably don't have to. But I keep on bumping into people who don't know what the show is about. So here it is. And it's just a one-liner, so you don't have to sit down for half an hour. It's all about a guy called Elliot, who is a hacker, an ethical hacker at the beginning of the show, sort of. But he's also a vigilante hacker in his spare time. Echoes of Neo. (laughs) who becomes involved in a plot to take down the world's largest corporation. It is such a well-known and much-talked-about show, even on this podcast, so I just wanted to mention that the second season is out, and if you're only going to watch one show this year, watch this. It might even appeal to the non-nerds out there. In fact, I think it will. It stands on its own as a really decent drama. Oh, and before I leave Mr. Robot behind, got a little NB bit. Another great coup for DB Wong getting to play a fantastically weird bad guy. And ever since Jurassic World 2015, things have really been looking up for this actor. Check him out in Gotham. 
last year where he started playing You Go Strange, which is all really great because I remember his namby-pamby, though well-acted, performance as this really weak priest in the old prison drama Oz. And I hated that character. The character sucked. The acting didn't suck. The character sucked. So that was Mr. Robot 2015. And I won't give two thumbs up, but I would if I could, but I can't because that's apparently copyrighted. And besides, oh yeah, I forgot. I don't really do reviews. I just chat about things. So I thought it was good. Opinions may vary. Okay. Next, we have The Expanse, 2015 onwards. We've talked about this one before, can't remember which podcast. Might have a note somewhere down here, probably don't. I'm going to talk about it again anyway. In the UK, this is available on Sci-Fi. And according to my notes, it started to be available late last year, and it's also available as a DVD. I would call this Space Opera Noir with a big serving of unrequited, unrealistic, doomed love and death. (laughs) It is delightfully romantic, gothic, not Andrew Eldritch fiction, romantic, the Emily Bronte way. So about the show, it's set in the nearest... Future, 23rd century, I believe. The solar system is now heavily populated. Earth and Mars are getting rich off the back of the poor and oppressed and unhealthy asteroid belt miners called the Belters. Yep, the Belters, exactly like Larry Niven's Belters, though without the Belter haircut, if you remember that. If you're a Larry Niven fan like I am, you'll remember that the Belters have this short mohawk haircut. Although that might be reflected in something else as we go on through the non-review. So, on Ceres... God, I hope I've said that right. C-E-R-E-S. Pedantically correct me if I'm wrong. Which is a dwarf planet slash mini planet slash asteroid. Very big one, very well photographed by NASA. In fact, I've included a photograph on the blog post for this particular episode. A crooked cop, although all the cops on Sarah's are crooked, played by Thomas Jane, the Punisher. Remember him? He keeps the peace and... In his spare time, begins a side job for some extra cash, looking for a rich Earther's rebellious daughter. At around the same time, a mining ship called the Canterbury is destroyed by a high-tech and unidentified ship, and the survivors try to survive and piece together and figure out what happened. In the midst of a cold war between Earth and Mars, and a rebellion on Ceres, the two stories converge. There are just so many echoes of other science fiction in this. I saw Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, 
the movie. C.J. Cherai's Alliance Union stories and novels. And just a lot more. Ad infinitum. And it is really grim. It's not exactly BSG, but it is great. And although not perfect, it is an attempt at getting the science in science fiction right. For example, we have microgravity, acceleration, so bravo. Though, and on the subject of echoes to other fiction, remember that Larry Niven thing that I mentioned? Well, the Belters do tend to have asymmetric undercuts, including Thomas Jane's own. Although it's not exactly a mohawk, maybe that's a little reference to Larry Niven. Anyway, his undercut, to me, seems a bit 80s. Especially with that hat. He wears this little... Don't think it's a fedora, I think it's too short. I think it's um, not a pork pie... A trilby! I think he's wearing a trilby, yeah, a trilby. Anyway, with the undercut and the trilby, he looks a bit 80s, and I'm thinking... Ducky gone tough. Do you remember Ducky from Pretty in Pink? It's a stretch, but work with me. Now, I have complimented the show on using hard science, but there is still the sound of engines heard in a vacuum. Okay, it's poetic license, but just stop it, because imagine how effective silence would be. Try it. Okay, just try it. I'm okay with... Sounds of engines when you're actually inside the ship. I'm not okay when the camera is looking at the ship from the outside, from the depths of space. It makes no sense and it's just not right. So that was... You know what, let me pause for a minute. Let me see if I've been pronouncing that asteroid correctly before I stop. Ceres, apparently. Yeah, Ceres. You know, as soon as I say that, I know that that's just going to pop out of my head again in a few minutes. So perhaps it's time to go on to the next show, which is Childhood's End, from this year, 2016, as if you needed reminding. So in the UK, this is on Sci-Fi, and it was broadcast late last year again. It is available on DVD or Amazon Prime Video. In this show, aliens invade, and it is really hard to see, almost until the end, if this is a good or bad thing. It really keeps you guessing. It is based on Arthur C. Clarke's eponymous novel, but watch this and then read Ian M. Banks's The Hydrogen Sonata from 2012. It left me both reeling and thinking. Thinking about how great it would be to have a utopia. If a utopia really is a utopia, it doesn't come with a sting in the tail. (laughs) My utopia is a bit more... I was going to say Earth or planet-bound, but that doesn't make much sense. My utopia would be something like Ian M. Banks' The Culture. I'm 
quite happy with that level of paradise. Thank you very much. Although, I have said otherwise before, I think. Thinking back specifically to Babylon 5, but then we'll be going into a whole new thing. So that was Childhood Zen 2016. I didn't recognise many of the actors, apart from one really well-known actor. But I did enjoy it. Enjoy it. May not be the right word, but it kept me glued to my seat. Okay, next we have Stranger Things 2016 in the UK. This is available on Netflix from the middle of July. So presumably this is in full swing now. Two actors who I recognise in this were Matthew Modine and Winona Ryder. And it is a carpenteresque 80s sci-fi horror. It even has the required John Carpenter-like soundtrack. And it's about a kid who goes missing in a small town. There is a mammoth dose of E.T. in this, including the BMX spikes, and also a big dose of the X-Files. Check out the iconically oversized headlamps on the BMXs. I found it to be a really enjoyable and compelling show, much better than, say, J.J. Abrams' own attempt at retro in the 2011 film Super 8, which should mean a lot to you, because if you listen to this podcast, you will know that I love J.J. Abrams' other work. About who the creators of this show are, I have no idea, because... In avoiding reading other people's view of the show (laughs) as much as I can and still be connected to the internet, all I know is it is a show by the Duffer Brothers. And I don't know who the hell they are. To me, that sounds like an American redneck brewing company, but whoever they are, well done. Now, I mentioned... John Carpenter and Steven Spielberg, whose work have obviously strongly influenced Stranger Things, but there are again just endless other films, pop cultural things, and references, and bits of real conspiracies just thrown in there into a great big bag of stuff. For example, America's Very Real, MK Ultra, and Stargate programs. Bits of that are in there. Although not specifically named. You know, they've used ideas from that for some reason. As I'm saying that, I'm rubbing my hands together. <laughs> Sorry about that, that was a bit strange. You know, this is a great show, but... I'd venture one very minor reservation. It is 
beautifully realized retro nostalgia. But maybe it's time to do some new shows that are not backwards looking so that future viewers will have shows of today that they can think nostalgically about. So I'm thinking of a lot of the shows around at the moment, and they are throwbacks to much earlier things. There doesn't seem to be a clearly definable nerd show for the 2000s. You know, even Mr. Robot doesn't seem that forward-looking feels to go back to the kind of Occupy movement era. Was that 2000s? Yeah, that probably was 2000s. But it's not something that's bang up to date. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about that a bit later. But in fact, we will, because I've got that in my notes and oh, my notes are all over the place. So at the moment, we have some really good shows on TV. If you add to that, The Man in the High Castle from 2015, which, again, we've talked about before. Entertainment is going very, very dark, although very high quality, too. Now, I don't know if this is a reflection of the world outside or a reaction against positivity or just the return to serious, grim and increasingly hard science fiction. I hope it's the latter. Actually, on that subject of having talked about things before, apart from Childhood's End, we've talked about just about all those shows before, so you might want to dig back through the archive of Roy's Rocket Radio for older shows that you might be interested in. All in all, really, well done for Sci-Fi, for The Expanse and Childhood's End for bringing out stuff worthy as successors to the rebooted Battlestar Galactica legacy and not putting out total rubbish, which is what they tend to do. And in fact, I've panned sci-fi so many times in this podcast. And by the way, I'm talking about sci-fi, the TV company, S-Y-F-Y, not sci-fi the genre. Yeah, I've panned them so many times in this podcast that it is nice to have something positive to say about them for a change. Except, now this isn't levelled at the Sci-Fi Channel in particular, but I can't leave this without a proper moan. Because I'm always moaning about something. And yeah, while Childhood's End had an important black character. Yes, I'm going to talk about that again. The protagonists in all these shows are white males. I'm not saying that the people who created or casted for these shows are racist or sexist. At least they're not on a conscious level. But again, all the protagonists are white males. Now, I've banged on about this before, so I'm going to repeat it again here. White males. And don't talk to me about The Rock or Vin Diesel, that is. Great action heroes, but still playing to a stereotype. What bothers me most is that I bet a lot of people now responsible for the shows I've mentioned are very probably nice right-on liberals, but somehow the main character 
is. And yet, I'm saying it one more time, altogether now a white male. Maybe they'd tell you that some of their best friends are of a colour other than white, or maybe they're the type of people who always make the right noises. But at the end of the day, it all seems like hot air to me. Maybe some of the people now making the decisions, and here's the real punch in the face, are not even white themselves, but it's still not changing fast enough for me. I really want to see a more varied cast in all these shows. This is not a matter of politics. I'm not being political. At least, I don't think I'm being political. But more to the point, how utterly boring if casting continues in this dull, monochromatic, mono-gender way forever. And, wow, this is a long rant, so I'm going to have to scroll down the screen to see what I actually wrote. If you are tired of hearing about this stuff, then, hey, producers, greenlighters, studios, creatives, casting directors, showrunners, do something. And yeah, before this is over, there is an argument that, to some extent, the shows I have mentioned are ensemble casts that include non-white, non-male characters. But the camera, even in ensemble casted shows, do spend more time focusing on a particular primary cast member more than the others. Maybe a character has more lines or is more central to the plot, and that character is almost always a white male. And if he's not a white male, then he's got a Western-sounding name. I'll stick that in there too. So my argument still stands. Finally, saying all the above means that I don't have to say this at the pub, for which you should be grateful. Finally, 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 finally. Another finally. Yeah, there was a show called... Oh, what was it called last year? I think it was called... Wait a minute, I'm going to have to pause to check this. Oh, what do you know? I actually got my show notes correct. There was a show last year called Expant with Halle Berry. But that show was utterly dreadful. It wasn't Halle Berry's fault. And by the way, there are other non-white female actresses apart from Halle Berry, who I do like very much. But let's see some variety, please. Yeah, that show was awful. And, of course, there's Luther on British TV, which is great. But that's just two shows. And, man, me having to say this is getting old. I mean, do you remember David Yip on BBC television as the Chinese detective? Do you remember the Chinese detective? That was way back in 1981. And I can't even add up how many more years that is now, but it is 2016, so come on. So apart from my rant about all that stuff, let me just repeat that Childhood's End, Stranger Things, The Expanse, and Mr. Robot are all shows worth watching. 
And if you can only afford to watch one, watch Mr. Robot. Okay, one last thing to chat about, and then we're kind of done. Veracrypt. With Black Hat and Defcon just finishing in Las Vegas, and EMF, Electromagnetic Field, hitting in the UK recently, all big techie conferences, what better time than to mention this one last little item? I use a program to encrypt files called TrueCrypt. For a while it was one of the best programs around, but there were controversies like there was no source code audit of TrueCrypt until someone did it, and it was never fully open source and transparent. So something else was written based on TrueCrypt that really was open source and transparent and up to date, and that is a program called VeraCrypt. So if you're a TrueCrypt user like me, you need to swap. Now, why would you use TrueCrypt? Well, there's two things you can do. If you're a journalist, you can encrypt your entire laptop, make it almost unsearchable to anyone but probably the most powerful governments in the world, or aliens, maybe. They're probably the only people who could crack it. So if you're a journalist, you might encrypt your whole hard drive. If you're that kind of journalist, I'm not. But... I use it for encrypting my passwords file because nowadays we've got a bazillion passwords for everything and although you can do kind of combined logins for services like oh, I can't remember offhand but many internet provided services offer the option for you to log in with another service like Twitter or Facebook so you can have several services that you use Facebook to log into. And I've never really liked doing that because if Facebook is ever compromised, then all those other accounts are also compromised. So I always create a separate account for everything that I can create a separate account for, which means that I have a bazillion passwords just floating around in my computer. Well, not really floating around anymore because they're in one text file and that text file is encrypted heavily with TrueCrypt. And that's the easiest way to use it because your volume or encrypted file doesn't have to be that big. Mine's only a couple of meg just to keep this text file safe. So that's one good use of TrueCrypt. And notice other tech journalists out there that I did not use the term that's a good use case for TrueCrypt because that's the wrong way to use use case. So stop using it. I mean, people have stopped using the word disconnect recently, I've noticed, which is a good thing. So maybe they can stop using use case. But anyway, I'm ranting on about something that's entirely irrelevant. All I really have to say is... TrueCrypt users switch over to VeraCrypt and people who do keep their passwords all in one file on their computer really, really need to encrypt that file. 
If you keep all your passwords on a piece of paper, then I don't know what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Maybe put it in a bank deposit box. Yeah, that's an option. Bank deposit box. Or sock drawer. No, don't put it in your sock drawer. Okay, and that is it for the show. We've gone on more than we usually do. But, okay, let's talk about what's coming up on future shows. We're going to have less stuff about things on the screen. We've been doing too much TV and movies lately. Mainly because there is so much of it. So maybe I'll try to add other stuff into the mix. Because this show is supposed to be a full service show for the creative nerd. Either that or we, that is the royal we, meaning I, just do more shows. But, man, doing all these shows is wearing me down. You can look forward to more writing news, hopefully in the next podcast, or one coming up very soon. Possibly future guests. It feels like it's time, but it's such a faff to get a guest on the show. And I'm in the middle of so much, so they'd have to be worth my while. Let me think about it. If you've got an idea for a guest for the show, let me know. Or if you are a potential guest who wants to be on the show, let me know. Okay. And every now and then, I also mention this. If you want to contact the show, go to RoyMartha.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. I better repeat that. I said that really fast. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R dot com because that is my name and that is my domain. You can also find me on Twitter at Roy Martha at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R, of course. And if you specifically want to send something to the show, this podcast, you can hashtag your tweet with Roy's Rocket Radio. All one word. Hashtag Roy's Rocket Radio. Please review me in iTunes. I do appreciate a review or a rating or something to get some idea of what I'm doing wrong or right. So yeah, reviews in iTunes. Or drop me an email. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 148, recorded on the 10th of August 2016. And the time at the end of the show, according to my on-screen clock, is 53 minutes past three in the afternoon. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Bye!